This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Doctor Who podcast. In this episode, after our marathon Shrapnel retrospective, we sit down, we open up the papers and we bring you the Doctor Who news. So, get the kettle on, stroke the cat, have a seat and we'll get straight into it with the Who news. Open up the papers, Tom. I come from the last century. Open up. The, how just how old are you, Tom? That's I think what myself and our listeners really want to know. <laughs> Open up the papers. I'm 58 years old. <laughs> Probably. Well, I suppose you're also stroking a cat while you're opening the paper, so that does kind of, you know, m- make you quite old. Hello, Tom. Hello there. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wow. doing fantastic. It's 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 really good to be able to sit here and laugh and have a bit of fun after spending three weeks being quite reverential and factual about uh, Mr. Troughton. Do you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the research for it. I enjoyed having the conversation about it too. But, well, there's so much stuff there and you, you can't ignore all of it. But I think each one of those episodes could have e- easily been an hour in itself. We could have spent the, like, the whole the next 16 weeks doing Troughton, you know? Tom, I edited some of them. Some of them were an hour plus before I got my hands on them. Whether that's a good thing or not is an entirely different matter, though. But, um, yeah, and, and, and I want to thank everyone again out there who's been sending in their comments on the on the Twitters and on the forums and in the email just saying how much they're enjoying the trout and stuff. Mm. Um, really, really thank you very much. Like, like Tom said, it was a pleasure for us to do it you know we, we we could have gone 20 episodes on trout and i think and barely drawn a breath mm. but uh yeah it's it's at an end now <laughs> and it's now time to talk about stuff that didn't happen during the 1960s <laughs> yeah exactly so mind you i think we've got which, which doctors have we got left to do we could we could do a davison one next we could do davison and and we certainly have all the new doctors to contend with like eccleston and tennant mm-hmm. and whatever because because now that uh Tenant's finished, we can certainly do a comprehensive retrospective on him. So, yeah, the, the sky's the limit. There are still doctors left in the canon. And, of course, there's nothing stopping us from doing doctors that um, the DWP haven't covered. So, mm. yeah, why not? That sounds like a good idea. But I think, you're, I think one of the things we have to do right now then is rather than looking back, we have to look forward because the filming has started again. The costumes have been pulled out of the, out of the wardrobe department. Matt and Karen are actually out and working. So we should do a little bit of Doctor Who news, perhaps. Why not? Why not, indeed? <laughs> one, one thing you mentioned there about... Um, you know, the costumes being pulled out of the drawers and whatever and the, the cameras getting their film put in them. Um, mm. I think one thing that's really got the internet a buzz at the moment and all the papers as well, apparently, because you've been reading them, um, <laughs> that that season six is being broadcast in two separate chunks. Yes. Like we're getting, what, episodes one to seven mm-hmm. first up yep, and then we're it. having a break mm-hmm. and then we're getting, what, eight to 13 Mm-hmm. Perhaps, and then we're getting the Christmas special at the end of the at, at the end of 2011, as per normal. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting development. Um, what what was uh, Mr. Moffat's reasoning for actually wanting to do this? Well, he, so this was announced some months ago, so August at the Edinburgh TV Festival, 
And the reason seems to be that it's possible then to write in two cliffhangers to the actual show. Now, the practical reasons for this are another thing entirely. Now, my, I'll be honest with you, though. You know, I'm, I'm from the 1970s is when I was born. Um, and I'm used to the idea of Doctor Who being screened in the autumn and winter time. You know, that's when Doctor Who should be shown, when it's dark outside and there's the smell of bonfires and, you, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's nice and autumnal. But this spring thing is kind of a new development. Um, it could be, it could be a fit for any number of reasons. I think the, keeping the show uh, split into two halves means that you've got effectively a show that never really goes away. Rather than having to wait ten months or eight months for the show to be on, you're only ever really waiting if this if this continues over into 2012. You're only really waiting four or five months for the next season of Doctor Who. Yes, it's only six weeks long, but to be honest with you, six weeks of a show, break, another six weeks of a show, break, another six weeks of a show, that that, that works fine for me. I, I, I like the fact that it's more regular rather than us waiting for it for a whole, uh, you know, effectively three quarters of a year. Mm. You, you know how you've talked about in the past, we, we certainly talked during our exhaustive season five reviews that Doctor Who's predilection, certainly in modern Doctor Who, for going for these grandiose end-of-season cliffhangers that certainly plagued the RTD era. Do you think this is going to be a temptation for the production team to give us not one but two next year and whether that's going to double our trouble? Well, uh, Stephen Moffat did actually factually say this is a game-changing cliffhanger in the middle of the season. So after uh, in episode six or seven, there is something which is game-changing, unquote. I think I know what it is, but this is not a spoiler, this is just me speculating. But I think everybody who follows Doctor Who knows that Robert Holmes threw this hand grenade into it by saying Time Lords could only regenerate 12 times. And we, we're on the 10th one right now, so I think that's what the game-changer will be. And to be honest with you, I, I'd love some suspense. It's no secret that I like the magic of Doctor Who. I like the magic of, of theatre and the magic of television um, if it's something which means i'm holding on to my seat for 12 16 weeks brilliant bring it on that's great you know it's cool <laughs> yeah true true I, I i probably wouldn't agree with the with the regeneration thing Ooh. i really think because they seem to be building up next year as the year for river song because mm. it sounds like she's going to become a very regular companion next year Good. so to to me i think the first cliffhanger for next year is going to be something to do with river i think whether it's a thing that you have to return for in the next half to find out how it concludes mm. and find out who, who River Song really is or something like that or whether there's some revelation at the end of the first block or not. But here's the thing, though. With, with TV uh, and with computer games, increasingly uh, with computer games as well, where is that magic? One of my favourite things to say is that people seem to think that they have a right to information rather than it being a privilege to them. And Doctor Who, along with a couple of other places, is the last place where we really don't know. And this is one of the reasons I'm so pleased that Doctor Who goes the way it does now. Um, I want to know, but I can't find out. I love that. You know, know, some things do remain secret and some things do remain surprising. It it, it is very early days at the moment. I mean, we are still only in 2010 at the moment and... uh... You know, we aren't we we are we aren't going to be seeing anything for quite a while, and we do have a Christmas special before that. Mm. But yeah, I I do get what you mean. It's nice that we've got a little just just a little sliver more mystery back into Doctor Who now. Yeah, that, definitely. That we that 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 we don't know what's going to be happening. So yeah, I'm 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 on board with that. Cool. Um, one thing that I don't think has been confirmed yet is the actual recording schedule for the next year. Now. A lot of fans, because they're looking at the broken up season, they're also thinking that the recording of the season is going to be broken up. Now, I'm, I'm not really sure whether that's the case. People are sort of saying, oh, this this gives a chance for Matt and 
you know, Karen to do other things as well. But um, to me, it makes more sense that they're going to film the whole lot like they do now anyway, you know, they have for years. And then they can split them up into the two halves and do this grandiose plan that uh, Stephen wants to do. Mm. Well, again, it's not it's not cost effective or practical to raise a production crew twice in a year, just just economically. So I would guess, and it's only it's only me speculating that you would record them all in one go and then transmit them in two halves. Um, as it is, there's there's enough time for the principal actors and the crew to go and get involved in other things around the Doctor Who shooting schedule, um, which actually leads us quite nicely into um, a second story about the uh, BBC autumn and winter schedule. Oh, yes. Tell us about that, Tom. Well, OK. Um, if you head along to the BBC website, it's possible to look at the trailer for the BBC drama department um, as they open that, set up their store for the 2010 autumn and winter season. And there are some great clips in it, but particularly of interest to Doctor Who fans, there are productions that feature... Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, and Matt Smith, and Matt Smith away from Doctor Who. Um, and there's a wonderful uh, moment in the trailer at about two and a half minutes where you've got Eccleston, Tennant, and Smith in their separate, what, what could you say, in their separate spin-off roles, in their separate alternate projects. And it's just lovely to see these three Doctor actors together. And, oh, Hasn't Christopher Eccleston aged beautifully? I know it's only been a few years, <laughs> but he's back to being what he always was, which was Northern Hard Man, uh, which mm. is pretty much how he played the Doctor as well. But it's 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 lovely to see these three actors side by side, knowing that um, they've both played the same iconic role. Really looking forward to seeing all three productions. I think they, I think individually, they have to know that being involved in Doctor Who has helped their careers or their tele- their small screen careers incredibly. Absolutely excites me. Oh. It really does. Uh, well, it, it, it's it's great to see actors acting, and if so, so we're here because of Doctor Who, and just to see the quality of acting, the quality of production um, that goes into the show now, it's it, you know this would never have happened in the seventies, but you look now and you see that Doctor Who holds its own and is the centerpiece of BB, of BBC's Christmas Day broadcasting. It's the center. It's, it's such an important part of their autumn winter schedule. You know, who could who could have dreamed five six years ago that the show would be back bigger than ever before, better than ever mm. before, and more respected than ever before as well. This is it's, it's a great time to be a Doctor Who fan. There, I, I could. Don't... I I imagined it. I imagined <laughs> it. I've, no, I honestly, I've always thought that the popularity was there, that the support was there. Mm. It was just the BBC at a certain point that finally said. Yes, we'll go with this, and and you know, of course, kudos and props to RTD for making that happen. But mm. Doctor Who's always been popular. Doctor Who has. It just took someone with a drive like RTD to walk in and go, guys, you're sitting on a gold mine here. Let's make some more of these things. Okay, you, you know what? That's a question. Um, uh, let, let me ask this to listeners to the podcast. RTD, Russell T Davis, JNT, John Nathan Turner, um, both. Producers of Doctor Who at difficult times. One had to watch it die, another had to bring it back to life. Um, what are your thoughts on John Nathan Turner? What are your thoughts on Russell T Davis? Did Russell T Davis do a good job? Did Russell T Davis do a bad job? What do you th- What do you think? I know all Doctor Who fans will have an opinion about both men. I'm interested to hear what you think. Definitely. Can we? Can, can, can I? Can I make that request? You just have. Yes. Perfect. On we go then. <laughs> Feedback at the doctorpodcast.com as per usual. Get them in. On 
to the next bit of news. Now, now during September, the Doctor Who production crew were quite busy. They were uh, filming the fourth episode of next year's series. Now, this is the one that's been written by, uh, I suppose you call him by now, Doctor Who veteran, both (laughs) behind the scenes and in front of the cameras, Mark Gatiss. Yes. Um, They've also done uh, principal photography for the first episode and uh, that was done at various locations Apparently, the bulk of which take place outside of Wales. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the forums have been a buzz with picture with uh, pictures uh, of costumes, of sets, of the writer Neil Gaiman as well sitting in cafes. So, yes, the production has started. It's interesting. Matt's costume. Oh, a couple of words about the costume actually. Um, this is for anyone who uh, is a, is a, is a, a rabid cosplayer. The shirt, the season one shirt, has, is uh, slated for re-release by Paul Smith, so it'll be possible to buy that again very, very soon. It, it does look like it's going to cost around £120, uh, £120 sterling, which is Wow. Not, well, that's about right for a designer shirt, in fairness. But there's no... I haven't seen any pictures of Matt Smith wearing last season's shirt, if you see what I mean. Um, but also of, of, of interest to Doctor Who fans will be the boots. Um, for cosplayers, it was always about David Tennant's tie. Um, with Matt Smith, it seems to be about his boots. Now, I'm lucky enough to own a pair of the All Saints layer boot, which is what the season one boots were. But early shots seem to show that he's wearing a different pair of boots. Now, they may still be all saints, but uh, to be honest with you, boots on guys are cool. Boots are the way forward. Um, you know, these, fl- these, these flimsy shoe things and brogues. No, no. Real He's uh, certainly wearing a different jacket in some of the uh, shots I've seen. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, no more patches on the arms, and it seems to be like a lighter tweedy colour. Well, see, well, this is it. It's a great, this, this thing that the uh, costume team have gone for, I clothes rather than a costume. Is a great idea because it make, it makes it easier to put it together, uh, and it also means that you know if if, if things go out of production during um, dur- during recording or between recording recording blocks, then you can just go out and buy something which has got the same shape to it and move on from there. So yeah, it's 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 a good thing. It's a bit disappointing. Mm. For, it might be a bit disappointing for people who have gone out and spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on the mm. exact items, but yeah, uh, you know it's Doctor Who. If you're into cosplay, you're, you're doing it. You're not doing it because of money. You're doing it for love. So fair enough. No, that's right. That's right. That's right. Doctor Who Live is uh, starting very soon, I believe, isn't it? Um, well, tell me. It's, it, 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 it's being based around the Carnival of Monsters episode and uh, has okay. Nigel Planer starring as Vorgensen, the intergalactic showman. <laughs> and uh, Nick Briggs is also in it playing Winston Churchill, of all things. So um, it, it sounds like it's going to be a really fantastic show to go and have a look at. I think the only fly in the ointment at the moment is the uh, first performance has been cancelled. Uh, the Doctor Who Live production was going to start in Glasgow on the 14th of October. Yeah, yeah. But it's being cancelled due to logistical reasons. So whatever that might mean. I mean, it sounds like it's a really, really complicated show to put together. Mm. So, you know, any small thing that happens might really put a, you know, sort of spanner in the works. So I'm not sure which show um, our own James from the DWP is going to. I, I presume it's not the Glasgow show, but uh, he, he's going to go see Doctor Who live as it's working its way around your your uh, wonderful country. So uh, <laughs> hope to hear something about it when, when he gets back from the experience. Okay, the Russell T Davies script for the Sarah Jane Smith Adventures is previewing at the BFI in London on the 12th of October. So by the time this get, this actually gets released, that'll be next week. 
actually. Yeah, that's, that'd be quite fun. Um, so let's go, we'll, go, we'll have Liz Slade and Gary Russell actually attending that one. Uh, and James is going along to that and hopefully will return a report. I'm not sure if, if he'll get to talk to uh, Liz and Gary. I can only hope so. But uh, it'll be nice to have a first-hand report of exactly how that screening goes. At this stage, we have to ask the question, are there events that James is not going to? Please send in your submissions to feedback at thedogdearpodcast.com because he seems to be everywhere at the moment. So please don't don't turn around while you listen to this podcast. James might be standing right behind you. Just, just be careful. Is that a, who's that in the shadow? It's James from the DWP. <laughs> it's um, James, the super event attender person. <laughs> Cool. But, but at the same time, though, I remember um, I, the first convention I ever, I've ever been to, I went to this year, in fact, um, and my only uh, experience of conventions before that was listening to uh, the old DWO Who cast and listening to what you guys had to say about who was there and how it went. And certainly Gallifrey, um, I can look at different um, YouTube clips, but I would listen to other podcasters. I think it's really good if you're in a different country or if you're not able to get along to the events for whatever reason that you can still get a sort of experience of being there. And if you don't, you know, if, if, if you can't get if you can't get to a convention, that's a, that's a real shame. But yeah, if we can somehow bring the experience to you, that's, oh that's yeah, cool. that's I mean one 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 thing that really blew me away about uh, Galley Twenty One this year and Hooverville too to a certain extent was getting on Twitter. And if if you search for like the what do you call them hashtags or whatever like galley yeah. twenty one hashtags trending topics you can yeah. look up all the stuff that people are posting about the convention. I mean they're attending it right there and then. You can read about within five minutes about what someone's thought of a panel or a interview session they've been to at a particular convention. It's just so immediate. I mean it's almost like you're there. I mean you can suddenly be very authoritative and say oh. You know, that that was a fantastic interview with Elizabeth Sladen at that last uh, panel about an hour ago, wasn't it? And and you're on the other side of the world. It, it, it's just so wonderful. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, and this this kind of takes us a little bit back towards the first story uh, that we that we brought today about um, there being mystery and not and and fewer leaks this year in uh, in the Doctor Who production because. If you go on Twitter, there are places you can go, there are people you can follow who are watching the filming, and in some cases taking part in the filming. Um, but but it's a lot less full on than it was last year. What we you know with photographs on Facebook and big and really really huge pictures uh, on the internet. It seems a lot more restricted and restrictive now. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's nice to be able to communicate and be part of a community using things like Twitter. You're right. Yes. Hmm. And Sarah Jane Adventures starts on TV very soon, I believe. Um, Monday, the 11th of October, has the premiere episode. Now, they're doing the same thing they did with last season. They're showing two episodes a week, so essentially one story per week. So it'll all be over very, very soon, like within six weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. Mondays and Tuesdays on uh, CBBC. Do you know I, I'm, I'm going to make an effort to watch it this year because I haven't really watched any uh, watched any of them up till now. But with, when I see titles like "Death of the Doctor" by Russell T Davis and "Goodbye Sarah Jane Smith" by Gareth Roberts and Clayton Hickman, who I think is just he's just funny as all hell. He's, he's amazing. I, I really want to sit, you know, buckle down and actually get get involved in it this year. So I'll, mm. I'll do what I have to do and make sure I catch up with it because Liz Sladen's a great actress. It's a great story. Um, yeah, and the, those titles are quite impressive. I suppose it must be my turn to read this next story. This, this is a bit of a fluff piece that James has sent us. Um, I'm just going to read this verbatim 
because listeners, normally when we read these things that James sends us, we try and edit them a little bit and put them in our own voices. But I'm looking at this one in front of me now and going, no, I, I don't really want to. So I'm just going to read it, guys. So staff and students had a surprise last week when they discovered a Dalek in their school, the West Exe Learning Centre in St Thomas, Devon. The prop appeared to have been abandoned with no clue as to where it had come from. Sue Wiley, deputy manager of the uh, Learning Centre, said, we're not sure where it's come from or who it belongs to. It's a full-size replica and it stands about five foot tall. You can even sit inside him. It's not every day you get a Dalek at your school. And he did cause a bit of a stir to start with. The kids liked him, but I think they're starting to lose interest now. Oh, that's terrible. How can one lose interest in a Dalek? You don't turn your back on a Dalek. Has anyone watched Doctor Who? You don't do that. Well, you don't turn back on a Dalek more than once. No, no. I I don't think they're really into Doctor Who. We'd like to return him to his owner as soon as possible because he's taking up quite a lot of room and he's living in a cupboard at the moment. (laughs) Bizarre. Can you imagine these these so-called masters of the universe living in a cupboard? I am a Dalek. You will obey me. Let me out of the cupboard, please, please, please. The official Doctor Who site has confirmed that former Coronation Street star Suran Jones has been cast in the role of Idris in the third episode of the 2011 series of Doctor Who, which is actually Neil Gaiman's episode. Um, Jones is best known for playing the role of Karen MacDonald in ITV1 Soap over a period of four years. Uh, And also last year, Jones appeared in the Sarah Jane's Adventures episode, Lisa's Revenge, playing the Mona Lisa. Um, So it's it's nice to see characters who are regulars in one long-running drama series turn up in another long-running drama series so it's also good to see Doctor Who going back to the place where it's almost like repertory theatre you know you have a regular cast uh, yeah. cast, and yeah. people want to get on it again so yeah oh, for the second time this episode good time to be a Doctor Who fan yeah well, all, all, although I, I wasn't a fan of Lisa's Revenge last year in the uh, in the Sarah Jane Adventures when, when I see a character named like Idris mm. I think Neil Gaiman's episode must be set like on an alien planet somewhere, like it must be like an Earth colony in the far future or hmm. some real alien planet because Idris doesn't sound like a name you normally come across in modern-day Earth, does it? it, it well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, get some, we'll get some emails from people called Idris now. <laughs> which, is, which is cool. Idris, if you're listening, send us an email. Um, yeah, well, mm. the, the shots from the location filming seem to suggest that there's something otherworldly going on, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody, so I'll leave it there. News from the uh, BBC FC. It looks like we're going to be getting The Ark, the William Hartnell story from 1966, on DVD next year um, because they've just uh, released or or classified a trailer from this story that can be included on the DVD. So uh, it's certainly going to be adding to the list of stories we're going to be getting in 2011 because we're going to be getting The Mutants Mm. and Megloss as well. So... uh, 2011 is certainly shaping up for a be an, an interesting year, I think. Do you know, I'm glad Megalos is finally coming out because that means that Tom Baker's first season and his last season will then be complete on my shelves, which is, and it, it, mm. it could be interesting to do a comparison of those. It also means I, could, I can have a weekend <laughs> of, of watching a load of old Tom Baker DVDs and watching how he started. Well, Megalos is a really, really underrated story. I mean, it, it's often quite a derided story, but they're. 
I've, I've always really enjoyed Meg Loss. Hmm. It's not so for the fact that uh, that uh, Jacqueline Hill appears in it, the companion from the uh, William Hartnell years. Yes, 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 yes. And it, it, it's interesting to watch Jacqueline Hill acting opposite Lala Ward. Uh, because you know you're absolutely right. She was the first companion, and then she's and she's work, work, working with uh, Lala Ward, who is uh, Tom Baker's companion in more ways than one at that point in, t- in the transition. Mm, indeed, <laughs> it seems like the uh, Doctor Who adventure games, the uh, games you can download from the BBC website and via the uh, Steam service, have been quite a success because they will be back for a second series due to be released next year. Now, so far we've seen three parts of the current first series released. There's another one on its way uh, later this year. Probably, I would guess, around the same time the Christmas special comes out. So, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. It seems like all, all, all you guys and gals out there have been really enjoying uh, Doctor Who in the uh, game format. Have you not had a chance to play it yet? I've played the first one. Mm. Um, it, it becomes a little bit difficult for those who are non-UKers to readily get these sort of things. I, I was able to acquire the first one mm. so, so I could play it mm. in, in Australia. And, and that was really enjoyable. I was able to, you know, push cars and dodge Daleks and run through sewers and stuff like that. Mm. But I, I haven't had a chance to play the second two yet, though, but I, I will be remedying that very soon. What did you think of the first one? I think the first ones will be really fantastic for the kids. It's a really, really accessible way for the younger fans of the show to play the Doctor, to to be the Doctor, Mm. really. Because while you're not directly controlling him, you are moving the characters of Doctor and Amy around the the, game board game area. Mm. And I think it's a fantastic way for those younger fans who are computer literate to... uh, have a bit of a go at being the doctor, I suppose. So, yeah, not 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 so much, I think, for the older fans, but certainly these stories are definitely geared to the younger audience. And I think the skill level, too, mm. is certainly set at younger people rather than experienced gamers. Mm, mm. I, I know what you're saying. It, it's a good it's a good experience uh, of bit of being the doctor because I think we said this before, um, some months some months ago. One of the difficulties with uh, Doctor Who game is that everybody would want to be the Doctor, uh, and put, taking it online mm. as well. The problem would, would would again be everybody would want to play the Doctor. But now the franchise is, is successful, hopefully we'll see uh, video game seasons as well. And surely it can only be a matter of time before we get a Tenant adventure or a Hartnell adventure uh, or a Troughton adventure or who knows. Um, the re- because this I hope so, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is the place that good taste permitting that we could have those characters. Uh, brought back to life. Well, I know we've we've talked about before about you know the idea that perhaps new adventures on television could be created with lookalikes or mm. recastings of the, those doctors that are now no longer with us. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm. Doing something in computer game format mm. with you know the likenesses of Hartnell or Troughton or Pertwee, mm. you know, is is the perfect way to continue the adventures of the Doctors that we aren't going to be getting any real screen time out of anymore. Exactly. So uh, this 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 might this, this may not be appropriate, but um, I, I'm always I'm always pleased when I meet someone that says, "Oh, I'm into, I'm into Doctor Who." And, and so, oh, you know what kind of Doctor Who? Is? Oh, it's the new stuff. Um, it's it's lovely to, to to be able to say, "Well, you know, the old stuff is really good too. Maybe you should try this, that, and the other." So if anything which brings people, um, you know, for a show about the future, we spend uh, about time travel. We spend an awful lot of time looking at the past, uh, mm. but. If it's you know if, if it's again if it's something which opens up the back catalogue 
of the show to new viewers so they can see that this thing goes back about 50 years then yeah but yeah more more power to him there's also i don't again i i I don't know if it's right to mention it here but there's a, a, a fabulous anime uh, style cartoon that features John Pertwee, or the third, no, I say John Pertwee, the third Doctor. If you go along to YouTube and just type Doctor Who anime, uh, look out for the Doctor Who anime trailer, uh, and what you've got is a representation of the third Doctor, as opposed to John Pertwee, um, being an absolute hero. It's amazing stuff. So yeah, 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 the video games are great in their own right, um, but perhaps the animated way is the way we'll see new adventures from uh, the from the characters that were the first, mm. second and third Doctors. Mm. Perfect stuff. The delightful, wonderful Katie Manning has launched her own website, katie-manning.co.uk. So go there to have a look at all your Katie Manning goodness. Um, there's not a huge amount there at the moment. There's there's a few welcoming messages from Katie. Um, she's just been to see the uh, stage play of Yes Minister, which I didn't even know existed. My goodness. Why don't they get that sort of stuff over here? I want to see the stage play of Yes Minister. Mm. But anyway, um, if you want to, I suppose, keep up with what Katie's doing, or I presume she'll use it as a way to talk to her fans about um, what sort of work she's doing on stage and with Big Finish and on TV and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, uh, katie-manning.co.uk is the place to be. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, uh, you, you mentioned Big Finish as well. I've had a, a really good week. I've had to do some long journeys. So I've been listening to a lot of Big Finish output. So I know it's not for everybody, which is a shame because it's such such high quality. We, you know, we were just talking about um, uh, seeing new adventures from classic series Doctors. If that's what you're into, absolutely get yourself into Big uh, Big Finish because the, the quality of storytelling is right up there. There you go. I'm not, I'm not on the payroll or anything, but I really, I'm really enjoying my Big Finish at the minute. <laughs> Cool, cool. Well, it's it's interesting you mentioned Big Finish because uh, the Axons from Classic Doctor Who are making a triumphant debut, I suppose, in the Big Finish range. Um, and they're even getting the original Chief Axon, played by Bernard Holly, to reprise his role. Excellent. And uh, those audios will be out next year. Now, for, for those that want to hear more about Bernard Holly, he was interviewed in our former life, or our former regeneration, mm-hmm. on the Who cast last year. So... Mm-hmm. Go and have a listen to what Bernard has to say. But, uh, yeah, Axon's in the big finish range. Fantastic. Oh, yes. And also there's a, a, a range called the Companion Chronicles, which I think we mentioned last episode uh, when we were talking about Fraser Hines doing an impression of Patrick Troughton. Um, there's, a, there's a new Companion Chronicle that's out at the moment called Find and Replace, uh, in which Casey Manning plays Joe Grant and also gives voice to John Pertwee. Um, now, obviously, it's an actress uh, recreating the, the, the tone of the actor rather than doing a straight vocal impression, but it's a really well-written script. And if you've got, if you've got a, couple of, a couple of quid extra spare, just, yeah, have a go at the Companion Chronicles, find and replace. A, a, a tremendous story, very, very well told. Awesome, awesome. That's that. Well, that's probably all the news we've got in the bag for this particular episode. We, we do have a little bit more, <laughs> which we might cover next week if we have time, when James comes back to join us after another of his interminable holidays. <laughs> My goodness, how many holidays could that man have? My God. Well, he has work breaks. <laughs> oh, is that what you call it? <laughs> exactly. He comes back on holiday, does a bit of work, and just goes again. I might have to do a few of them, a few work breaks and get a bit of a break. <laughs> hope you're enjoying yourself, James. We really want you back, mate, and hope you're back in the studio next week. But, I, uh, yeah, 
if with something we've missed on the old news front, guys, please let us know at feedback at the Doctor Podcast dot com. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there's something we've missed. Let <laughs> us know. Right, so that seems to be all of the news uh, for this particular episode. It's nice that the production has got... Do you know, I'm, I'm glad that we got into Autumn and Winter and the production has got going again. It's kind of a reassuring thing. But that goes back to that first story. I, I'm used to getting Doctor Who in the Autumn and Winter. When was it shown in, in Australia? Was it all year round? Well, pretty much it's a sort of a latter year thing for us to a certain extent. I mean, the ABC has never been, over here, has never been particularly consistent about when it shows Doctor Who. It kind of shows it mm. when it has it. Certainly New Who has been a bit better because mm. we've got it pretty close or within a month or two of when it's broadcast. But um, Classic Who was definitely a different matter. Mm. And it's also muddied the waters, I suppose, because we get a lot of repeats over here as well. All right. I'm sure I've told you the story about... Uh, the Tom Baker debut story, Robot, being shown 11 times in 10 years in Australia. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, somebody, that's somebody's but, idea of heaven, you know. Well, that that's true, but after the fifth time, we got a bit sick of Robot, I tell you. We got <laughs> sick a bit of... We got a bit sick of uh, Tom Baker crushing dandelions. We, we really got annoyed with that. But anyway, I, I think we were just grateful here in Australia to get Doctor Who at all, really. Okay. That, um, you know, we, we were happy to get whatever new season of Doctor Who was going within a reasonably timely manner. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Uh, is, is there anything else on the list for you? On the li- Well, I do have one little thing I want to talk about, and it's a little bit of a beg. Okay. Now, we've talked a little bit about Gallifrey 22 next year, which, which I'm going to, and yay, I can hardly wait to get there. Um, what I'm also doing, because it's such a long journey for this little black duck, um, <laughs> I'm also going to be popping up to San Francisco after the convention's finished and spending a few days up there. Now... I'm wondering whether any of our listeners live in San Francisco, live centrally in San Francisco, and whether they have a spare bed they could offer to a lonely traveller such as myself for a few days after Gallifrey 22 is finished. Um, please let me know at trev at the Um I'm hoping someone up there can uh, offer me a place to sleep for a few nights before I head back to Australia. Um, I would be internally grateful and I look forward to hearing from anyone in the San Fran area that, that can help me out. But, uh, yeah. Trev, I've got to go. say that suddenly I, was, I have this image of a news report starting. So, so you know, <laughs> you know, I, could just, I could just see it, a, a, lo- a local news reporter, traveller Trevor Gensch, was last seen heading into the San Francisco area. If anyone has any news about this man... <laughs> So yes, no, 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 no. I'm I'm sure there's some wonderfully level-headed, fantastic people in the San Fran area that um, might have a spare bunk bed they could offer dear old Trev. So uh, please let me know at Trev at the Doctor Podcast dot com because um, <laughs> I'm looking for a place to stay while I'm there. All right. If not, well, I'll just have to pay for a bed. Well, we're going to leave you this episode. Uh, after we sign out with the first episode of a fantastic new podcast. Um, you might remember Dr. Phil, who was certainly a very regular correspondent in our feedback episodes while we were at the WhoCast and certainly while we were at the DWP. He's a bit of a musician and he's branched out into his own podcast called Adventures in Time, Space and Music. And he sent me an email a couple of weeks ago and said, Trev, I'd love to put your first episode on the DWP. And, uh, we're very, very honoured here today at 
the show to be able to premiere Dr. Phil's episode, his first episode of Adventures in Time, Space and Music. It's a fantastic podcast about the incidental music of Doctor Who, both modern and new Who. And he's done a whole series of episodes which you'll be able to check out very soon on his own dedicated website. And, uh, yeah, so I really hope you enjoy the first episode from Dr. Phil and support him in his new venture and his new podcast. So please enjoy. Uh, We will see you all next week. James will be back in the studio with uh, Tom and myself, and we're very much looking forward to that. So uh, we will see you all next week. Thanks, Tom. Anytime. Thank you. Oh, pleasure as always. We'll see you very soon, guys. Bye-bye. Take it easy. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. introduce you to a new podcast segment, Adventures in Time, Space, and Music. In this podcast segment, we'll sample music from the almost 50-year history of Doctor Who, discussing the technical minutiae involved in the music, how it relates to the story, as well as explore the varied composers and musicians who have worked on the show. If we're lucky, we'll even have some special guests stop in the TARDIS cloisters to reflect on scores from the current and past eras of the show, as well as celebrate the work of these oft-unsung heroes. A brief bit about me. My name is Dr. Philip Cerna. You can call me Dr. Phil as many of my colleagues, friends, and students do. I'm a performer and teacher here in the Chicago area where I received my master and doctoral degrees in music at Northwestern University. On double bass, I perform solo, chamber, orchestral, and contemporary literature. I'm also a performer of early music on viols or violas da gamba, a family of bowed guitars that were popular in Europe from the 15th through late 18th centuries. I became interested in Doctor Who in the 1980s and hope that my musical background will help me give something back to the show I've loved ever since. I hope that you'll join me on this journey through the rich and varied musical history of Doctor Who. Let's start our adventures together, shall we? 